if you continuously do the one or two things that count that everything else is dependent upon, and that's always reshuffling itself, then you're always going to be putting your time and effort towards the most important things that will take you to next. And as long as you're moving from where you are to next and you're making progress towards your bigger future and you're not talking yourself into paralysis, it's not about perfection. It's about the one or two things that count. Plug into the minds of the world's cutting edge innovators, visionaries, and thought leaders, rewriting the rules of high performance at work. It's your time to make an impact. I am your host, Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Mind Valley podcast. Hi, everybody. This is Jason Mark Campbell. Welcome back to Superhumans at Work. The guest that I have today is a trainer of champions. The man is the founder of Champions Blueprint. His name is Jeff Spencer. Now, I've had the luck of interviewing this brand in person pre-COVID, right? We were able to do a studio interview for our series at Mindvalley called Mentoring at Work. For those of you who are members, you've probably already seen this training, yet we went deep into the gold achievement roadmap. We talked about what is the blueprint that really forms a champion. And what we wanted to do today is be able to go deeper into these concepts and really understand what does it take to be a superhuman or a champion in the workplace? What is it that differentiates somebody that's just getting by versus someone that excels? And what are the mind hacks that you can work on to really step up your game and show up like a champion? For those of you who aren't familiar with Dr. Jeff Spencer, he has been an Olympian himself and has trained Olympians where he works with the top one of the 1%, no matter the industry, because being world-class is a mindset. Now, he's done some transformation, written three books, whether it's How to Achieve the Unachievable Goal, how to become the highest potential of yourself. He has worked on how to train people in various industries, including motocross, including all the other industries. Now works primarily with industries, business people, and how to bring that champion mindset to really, really do well in the workplace. And this is really what we're going to be talking about today. Ladies and gentlemen, the one and only Jeff Spencer joining me. Jeff, welcome to the show. Well, thanks, Jason. Great to be here. It's a pleasure to speak with you again. As I mentioned, this is our second conversation, and I thought we'd jump right into it. So, you know, we give this label of champion, right? And I'd love to understand why did you choose the word of being a champion and what does it make it that it's so different than anything else out there? Well, in my estimation, first off, you know, that's what my DNA is calibrated towards. It just is, you know, I'm a gold medal sort of guy just by constitution. So with that being said, when we look at the definition of champion, in my view, a, a champion is a manifestor of gifts. And that's a really important thing to be mindful of here because every one of us on this planet, there's 7 billion people on this planet right now. And there's only one Jason, there's only one Jeff and just one of everybody. And why that's significant is that every one of us has a set of attributes and gifts if they're cultivated to be usable actions that can change not only our lives, but other people's lives then we're not in competition with other people. And why this is really important is that many people attribute a level of importance or a level of success based upon what other people's criteria is. And I don't feel that that's accurate or appropriate because you don't know the ripple effect of anything that you do, but yet we mentally decide what that is in advance. And many times we discredit ourselves because we don't think it's big enough. We're not influencing a billion people. You don't really know that. Like, for example, when I was a kid and I was nine working in a bike shop, a guy came in, he's wearing a t-shirt and said USA Olympic team on it. He doesn't even remember wearing it, but I saw that t-shirt and I said, I want that t-shirt. And the only way you can get the t-shirt is to become an Olympian. So I went home and I drew a picture of that t-shirt and that was my logo. 
that I pursued for you know 10 years and then I did become an Olympian, but he doesn't even remember it. So I think it's really important that we don't decide in advance the value of what our contributions are compared against everybody else's and what all the experts say, because you just don't know the ripple effect. Therefore, I think we cultivate our skills. We show up faithfully each and every day. We bring people what they deserve to have from us. We also encourage others to do likewise. And when we do that, then our goodwill has this ripple effect that goes throughout the entire people sphere, should I say, that has a transformative element in the direction and trajectory of human history. Wow. So what you're saying is that, you know, once you made the decision and you decide to behave like a champion, you start paying attention to a lot of little things that you do that can actually have massive ripple effects that you're not even aware of. Is that correct? hundred percent. Yeah. hundred percent. Yeah. Then my question would be like, knowing this, because we're talking 1% of 1%, it doesn't seem like everybody's operating with that level of awareness or even that level of care to be a champion. So I'd be curious to know, like, what does it take for someone to make that decision? And like, why is it that we don't see so many people do it? Well, I think certainly most people don't see the path forward, in my opinion. That's the great uh, roadblock. Everybody's told to have a moonshot and go for the biggest goal possible, and they don't even know how to achieve goals. So first off, if you don't know how to achieve goals, then bigger doesn't really matter because you can't get there anyhow. So they feel intimidated. They feel less than. So they retreat back to kind of the lowest common productivity or contribution denominator, which I think is absolutely tragic. So to me, the primal life skill is learning how to achieve goals first. And as you develop proficiency in that, and as you start to mature, then you can take on bigger and bigger goals. So again, I feel the impediment is block of knowledge, block of application, not knowing what to do when. And when we have a path that history has proven itself to be true, and we learn it small, and then we grow it, then we develop in our confidence and our capability. When you talk about, you know, not even able to pursue these goals themselves. Now I've heard of various methodologies to set goals. I mean, you heard of smart goals, you heard all these different systems for completing goals. What are we missing here? That's making a lot of people feel a little lost with this goal setting methodology. Well, I think again, that that probably is that the first roadblock because goal setting is not goal achievement. They're two completely different things. And a lot of people, and there's millions of programs out there about goal setting, but somehow there's this idea that somehow if you have the biggest goal possible in whatever you dream, somehow it automatically backfills and manifests. That's not really true. You know, goal setting is one of 10 things that has to go right to be able to get from where you are to where you want to get to. So the idea of the goal achievement side of it, you know, you have to be properly prepared to pursue the goal. There's five steps of that. And then once you're in active pursuit of it, then there are five steps that you go through to be able to get from the initial action to the winner's circle of where the goal is completed itself. So I feel, again, from moment zero, we're kind of caught off guard and we're caught off balance and we find ourselves a bit compromised. Well, you know, me being in the personal growth industry, I've seen a lot of trends that happen around, of course, the goal setting being one of the things that people say, just set your goals and everything starts taking care of themselves. There's another word that I'm going to throw out there that might be something I shouldn't be challenging because I feel like it's a big topic within the industry. But when you talk about like manifesting or law of attraction, you know, people try to just see it in the mind's eye. Are we saying that these methods aren't effective enough to get you to achieving those goals? And what do you think is that even a healthy habit that's in the industry right now of people just saying, Hey, I've set my goal. I've got my vision board. I'm just going to manifest it. Does it fall short? Well, I think it does because there's all sorts of goals. There's big, hairy, audacious goals. There's moonshots. There's smart goals. But the most important thing for me is that you have the right goal. 
you know, and if you don't have the right goal, then the passion, the purpose, and the skill may not be there to be able to execute it. So at any point in time, all things considered, there's going to be a single most important goal that you could pursue. And I've actually created a right goal criteria where you can prune that back from where you are to the right goal that's appropriate for your current skill set. And as we, again, develop skill, then we develop greater confidence in ourselves. Then we can move up the ladder in terms of more ambitious goals. But first off, you got to be really clear about the relevancy of your goal. That's the R and right. The I and right is indicators. You know, what are the indicators that this is the right goal for you? Is it big enough? Is it financially enough for you? Does it challenge your mind, your body, and your spirit enough? You know, is there enough gravity, the G and right? You know, what's the emotional attraction between me and it? The H and right stands for altitude height. You know, is this big enough for me? And are the values that I derive from this and the people that I'm around it, does my soul resonate with it? And then the T and right, is this the right time to pursue it? Do I have the time to pursue it? And is the time from inception to achievement suitable for me? So when we do take the time to really investigate and develop a relationship with our goal, then it changes the game. I think most people don't really have the intimacy of what's required with the goal itself. They kind of think about, well, what's the return from the goal I'm going to get? It's kind of what they're looking at. But I think that, again, right goals predominate. Every prolific achiever that I know, they don't care about the smart goal. They want the right goal. That's where it starts, in my opinion. And there's a methodology to that. Well, I think that's already a powerful framework with the right framework you're talking about here. But I was going to ask you, do you have a personal experience or a client that you've recently worked with where this has been super accurate and really well dialed down so we can have an example of what a great right goal would look like? Yeah, sure. Again, let's take my wife and myself, for example. Like We were considering adopting a girl from Columbia. So we need to make sure that this was the right goal for us. So you know, why was it relevant? Well, we were going to not only save a life, but we were going to manifest a life potential. That meant a lot to us. Then we look at, well, what are the indicators here? Well, we can financially do this. We recognize that it will be a contribution to humanity. We recognize that we have the youthful vitality and exuberance to actually make this happen. Then we looked at the G, the gravity, the emotional attachment. Well, yeah, I mean, we're stepping into the highest honor possible, which is to contribute to another person that left to their own devices and where they are doesn't have a chance to be able to manifest what they're capable of. Then we went to the G, or GH, the height. Yeah, is this big enough for us? Yeah, of course it is. I mean, I don't think there's anything bigger than this than to commit one's life, which was me and my wife for 12 years, which we faithfully done until now. And this was not easy. My daughter didn't speak English. We didn't speak Spanish. It was all sign language to start with. We got no help from anybody. She had no school. Imagine coming to the United States with no school at 10. PTSD and ADHD from severe abuse as a kid ever since the age of four, physically and mentally, parasitic ridden body, severe malnutrition for 10 years. I mean, every strike against a human for a life gone wrong. And we adopted her at the height of my career when I was 58 years old. I was working with you two, Tiger Woods and all these people, but yet we decided to adopt. And so was it the right goal for us? Yeah. Why? What made us stick in and stay in the game? Well, because we had the criteria. So we knew that it was the right goal because we weren't guessing at it. By the way, I'm really proud to say that she just graduated from college a couple of months ago and nobody in her family ever graduated from elementary school. So 
it was a hard fought victory for us. And my wife cried every day for nine years and 10 months. It was that difficult. But yet, you know what? We didn't get in the way of that because you can love anybody. You just decide you're going to do it and you show up and be of service to them and whatever has to go right to cultivate them. You stay in the game until you reach the finish line. So it was really my most important success, actually. That's an incredible story. And yeah, I remember meeting you in person. I guess it was three or four years ago. You were talking about her and the impact that she'd had. And I remember she'd been an expert at the selecting your footwear. And we had a great moment. Oh, where that's I right, was, the challenge. Yeah. <laughs> we were, for everybody, we were recording in the studio. And uh, I look at his feet and I'm like, hey, this is man. He's like a champion's blueprint. He's coming all dressed to be on the studio. And I look at his shoes. I'm like, are you wearing Yeezys? He's like, yes, I am. My daughter brought pick those for me. I'm like, she's got good taste. And then I showed up, I had my Jordans. And so we were both like looking Game pretty on. fly <laughs> on the footwear there. So if you do get a chance to watch that episode, you'll need to pay attention to the footwear and send us a kudos on that. But nonetheless, this is a powerful example, right? Because you yeah. really fleshed out that this was the right goal. And so putting this in perspective, what would it look like if you had not found the right goal? And what are typical examples of people that might've set a goal and then you realize that it doesn't pass the test? You feel over your head, like it's either too little and you're falling asleep because it's just not enough challenge or it's so overwhelming. It's like the tsunami that's just too big. It's like, yeah, I did what the expert said. I chose the biggest thing possible. You know, I want to have the first organic farm on Mars. You know, that was my idea. But the idea of this is just too overwhelming. I mean, let alone achieve a goal just barely outside my reach. I don't even know how to do that yet. So I feel that overwhelm that creates a paralysis, an embarrassment, an uncertainty, a preoccupation, not feeling qualified for, kind of avoiding people because you don't want to share. You know you're going to get asked the question, so what are you up to? All of those things, I think, are very strong indicators and it doesn't mean that you're not capable of that. It just means a little bit too much too soon. But I think this is also the risk is that if we're supposed to do that and think big and everything backfills and we don't fit that, the risk is, is that we think now something's wrong with us because everybody else knows what to do, but we don't. Therefore, we can't do it. So we talk ourselves out of what our potential is. And I think that's like criminal. So again, let's just sort of be mindful of that roadblock isn't bad. I mean, that could actually be your friend telling you too much too soon. Don't go there yet. You're just not capable of doing that yet. So let's print it back to a place that you can safely begin to learn the skill. And as I said before, playing and winning big. I mean, look, I work with you two, Tiger, Lance, all this other stuff. This is intentional wins. This is not guessing. You apply a solution that history has proven itself to be, and we've learned the process slowly so we learn it correctly the first time that's the way that we did it they can do it you can do it there's no difference quite honestly you know you look at these people at the top of their game at their career and that you've had a chance to work with it seems like there's a certain skill a competence something that's been selected and when you look from the outside it's almost like oh yeah tiger he was doing golf he continued to go golf. It was very clear for him that that was the path that he was going. And so he continued to invest and make himself the best when it comes to golf. But what happens if you're looking at this and I want to set a goal, but I feel so lost. And maybe it's a question like, yeah, you've set a big, big goal. You realize it's out of reach. As you mentioned, you might just fall into procrastination because it seems so unattainable. But what if you have that fire? You feel like you have a champion's fire, but it's really hard for you to just pick a direction to go because it doesn't seem so obvious to you. Are there exercises we can do to kind of 
start exploring and maybe finding a bit of where our compass should take us? Well, I think, yeah, sure. So again, if we're talking about specific goals, I mean, there's a pretty easy exercise. You just write down all the goals that you want to pursue and you don't restrict yourself. You give yourself permission to write them all down. And then you look at them and you say, well, what's my state of readiness here? Like at any moment in time, we all have a state of readiness to achieve something. And as you go through that list, you'll find out, well, no, I'm not really capable of doing that yet because I just don't have the skills to do it and I don't have the time to do it. I think the idea is that let's choose something that's aspirational, that's maybe just outside what our perceived reach is, because generally, if that's the case, it means that we can do it. We just haven't done it yet. And you don't want it to be so small that you don't see that you're really building your skill. There must be some body of evidence that informs us that we're gathering momentum towards our ability to achieve these prolific goals. Here's another secret. You know, in my opinion, Jason, there's so much mythology about goal achievement out there that talks us into not taking action. And one of those things is, is that, you know, we feel like somehow we're supposed to have the destination and the path to our bigger future all mapped out. It doesn't work like that. Any prolific achiever that I've ever met, that I've ever worked with, kind of does it like this. We have kind of a provisional goal. So let's choose whatever that is. And in the process of doing it, if a better option shows up, then we start to consider that option. And many times in midstream, people kind of adjust and they change the direction subtly that takes them to a bigger, better, faster that they could never have conceived of. So the most important thing is that you get started on anything because when you get started on anything, it informs you of what your readiness and your competency is. And once you know exactly what that is, then you know what you need to do next to build your assets, to be able to achieve perhaps the next set of goals, it's the next rung on the ladder. So the worst thing you can do is do nothing, think that we need to be perfect rather than let's just choose something that's in our reach and let's get started and let's trust the process and move on from there. Well, I love that because there's this quote that says, you know, the next step is always revealed as to you've taken the first one. That's exactly and right. A hundred percent. And so then when it happens that someone's feeling paralyzed, I love that this exercise is actually very practical. You just write everything down and then you can still run that test. You know, you can make sure which one's the most right for now. And like I said, the worst thing to do would be to stand still, but you've also mentioned about being in a state of readiness, right? You've talked yeah. about, you know, when you look at these, you could actually assess yourself, like, which one can I pursue based on what is my state of readiness? Is that something that can be trained in and of itself, even if you haven't chosen the goal yet? Are there certain things that we could improve on our state of readiness on a daily basis, just from like paying attention right now? Yeah. Well, here's the first thing I do with anybody that wants to consider doing some coaching with me is that it's like a GPS, right? The arrival destination, that's the easy part. It's like, I want to lasso an asteroid mine it for trillions of dollars of resources. Okay, that's the goal, right? That's the destination. That's easy. Just program in. That's easy. But as I tell my prospective clients, the most important part is what's the starting location? Most people don't care about that. Most people say, hey, Jason, can you just give me the shortcut to the finish line? I'll pay it and do anything just to get the shortcut. But the faster you go with the least control over the variables, because you don't even know what there are, the greater the risk that you incur. And then when something predictably stalls, which it shouldn't, you're just too fast too soon, then you think something's wrong with you. Well, no, nothing was wrong with you. You're capable of this. It was just a little bit too much too fast. So I always spend the time to make sure I'm really clear on what their current state of readiness is. I look at how they're thinking, how they make decisions. I'm looking at what their skills are. I look at what their resources are. 
Those are the things, their purpose and why they're doing this. I also look at their motives, et cetera. So in doing that, it gives me a sense of what their current reach is. And then we choose the goal within their current reach is what we do. One other exercise I want to say here that I'm going to suggest to people is what I call uncensored possibility thinking. And this is where you take a goal and then you take whatever that goal is, you write down what it is, and then you take it and you make it bigger. You add something bigger to it. Like, let's say I want a 1500 square foot house. Okay, great. So why don't you make it 2,500 and then list what the interior looks like and what the landscaping looks like. And then you may feel a little bit hesitant about that. Like, I don't know if I should be thinking this big, you know, but I kind of really want to. And then you do it. And once you have created this bigger vision of it, you sit with it for maybe 30 seconds, 60 seconds, and then you start to acclimatize to it. Then you start to say, well, you know, that really is possible where you didn't think it was possible before. And then you take it and you make it even bigger. So let's make it a 4,000 square foot house with a hanging swimming pool. I don't know if there is such a thing, but you know, we're making it really extravagant to the point where it's absurd. And we say, well, no, that's way too big. That's way too big. And then we sort of come back to that sweet spot that's just beyond our aspirational level and why that's important. That's an exercise that I do to help people find what the real ceiling really is. Because a lot of times people talk themselves into a much lower ceiling, but if we do this uncensored possibility thinking exercise, where we're really challenging ourselves against our assumptions, then we get a chance to see what we really are and what we're really capable of. So just another lens that people should consider doing. As you mentioned that exercise, I kept thinking about before COVID hit, I actually was doing a lot of these Spartan races, right? And I remember oh, yeah. the first, I know the Joe. first just there yeah. you go. Joe's a good man. Yeah. He's been on the Joe. podcast too. Great guy. And so well, I remember the first time I did the race was like, Hey, I just want to be able to complete it. So I went ahead, I completed the short one. Then I set a bigger goal. I was like, what if I'd complete the big race, you know, the beast? And we set that as a goal. We trained for it. We did it. And then if I'm sitting here and I'm thinking of setting a goal, one of them could be like, hey, maybe I'd want to win a race. Maybe I'd want to be number one. <laughs> there you go. When I do that, like you said, I'm intimidated, but it would force me to be like, okay, what would I eat? How would I sleep? Exactly. How right. would I train? And that seems a bit terrifying to me. It should be. I mean, look, you know what the champions do? They schedule fear on their calendars. Like I need to do something that's outside my reach to learn to become familiar with it, not be intimidated. And if it seems too big when I'm doing it, well, then I'll just pause. But at least I give myself a chance. I don't need to continue to do it if it seems too big. So I think that's a really important thing to be mindful of. Unless we're challenging ourselves to a point where we can't do it, then we don't know what we're capable of. And so therefore we talk her herself into smaller just by default. So I was working with an athlete once when I worked with athletes and I knew that this guy was holding himself back. And so I had him lift a weight that he couldn't possibly lift. And then he came back to me like, you really want me to lift this weight? I said, yes. And he tried and he failed because I wanted him to fail. And then he came back to me and said, well, I failed. I said, well, you, what, what'd you learn from this? So, well, I didn't die. I said, well, that's great because I want you to realize that now you know your edges, correct? So now we know what to do to get you to there and beyond. And you realize that you didn't die because you didn't get what you thought that you should have gotten, which brings me to a second point, if I may, is this idea of perfection. I helped a guy win a gold medal and here's how I did it. So two and a half weeks before the Olympic final, this guy was mentally unraveling and the governing body of his host country, and he was favored to win the gold medal, by the way, 
called me as an SOS to see if I could come in and help. So I talked with the athlete and said, here's the deal. I said, you and your team and everybody else, you believe that you need to be perfect to win the gold medal. That's what you're thinking. That does sound right, doesn't it? Well, I'm telling you, it's absolutely wrong because it's not about being perfect. And you guys think that being perfect is having a contingency for every detail. Then that's how you become perfect. But your brain is always going to make up another detail that you haven't found yet that you are going to invest 100% of your confidence and that you believe that you need to find to put in the perfect jump. Therefore, you've already lost. I said, it's not about perfection, Greg. That was his name, Greg. I said, it's about the one or two things that count. And as long as you're doing the one or two things that count, that will create the readiness you need to fulfill the promise and the expectation of you winning a gold medal. And those two things are don't change your warm up because you're screwing around with your warm up. Your body's scared, doesn't want to come out and play now. And it's your first four steps to the run up. So your foot hits the board to get the lift to win the gold medal. Said so two things gold medal, forget about perfection. And of course, we did that for two and a half weeks, gold medal. Then he went on to win the European Championship, the World Championship, and the Commonwealth Game Championship because he exploded the perfection myth. So all I want to say, is that if you continuously do the one or two things that count that everything else is dependent upon, and that's always reshuffling itself, then you're always going to be putting your time and effort towards the most important things that will take you to next. And as long as you're moving from where you are to next and you're making progress towards your bigger future, and you're not talking yourself into paralysis. It's not about perfection. It's about the one or two things that count. Jeff, this is incredible. And I have to ask one final question here, which for me personally, I think it's going to be a bit of a support because I just mentioned one of my goals, right? And for anybody listening, maybe that goal is to get that promotion. Maybe it's for them to become the CEO of a company. Maybe it's because they want to start a business and they want to set a huge revenue goal. And just like I was talking about winning a Spartan race being something a little intimidating for me, they might be going and setting a very bold target and having that intimidation. And I'd love to know for anybody who's kind of on the fence, like for me, I'm on the fence of actually committing to a big goal, like saying, I want to win a Spartan race. But if I was going to jump into the champion's mindset and a winnings mindset, what would be the word of advice you would give for all of us? You know, we know we can set a big goal, but we still have a bit of a fear. Well, that's a good thing because fear is your friend. People think it's an enemy. I know people that have gotten the ill-founded advice. Well, the way you overcome fear is to push through it and just do it anyhow. More people have lost more money and time and confidence and self by doing that because sometimes fear is your friend. It's saying you're not ready. And so if you have a checklist of things that confirm to you that you are ready and it's observable and you have a body of evidence, then that's just a preoccupation and a concern about your ability to execute. So therefore, you just need to make sure that you start correctly and you have an execution strategy in front of you. The next thing that I will say about this as well is that when we're talking about this idea of too big, we let the experience inform us of how far into what we're doing we should be and when we should pause and when we should adapt. So I, I want to say this, another story here, if I may. I was working with an athlete. I'm using athletic examples here because I think they're pretty graphic, where a guy broke both wrists. Obviously, he couldn't prepare and he said, I'm going to retire because a friend of ours got paralyzed a couple of months ago. And this is a sign that I need to quit. Otherwise, I'm going to get paralyzed. What do you think about that? I said, well, you probably shouldn't compete any longer because if you're preoccupied with that, it's more likely that you're really going to hurt yourself. So just retire right now. So he made a worldwide public declaration that he was retiring. 
And then three weeks later, he called me back and said, look, you know what? I feel like I still have more in me. I was a little bit too quick to call my retirement. I was scared, but I think there's more in me. I said, well, I think it's a good idea that you come back then. But the thing is, is that if you think that you can't keep your word, you don't trust yourself because you're going against what you made a public declaration against, don't come back because you're not going to be confident. You're not going to be at the level that you need to be at. So the lesson here is, is that when we have a goal, a goal is an estimated assumption about conditions that will be present in the future without knowing anything about the variables. It's a declaration of future on probability without knowing what it will really be. And so until our plan meets reality, we can't really say in all certainty with all fairness, whether it's the right thing or not. So when we get to that place where our plan meets reality, that's entirely acceptable if we decide to pursue or to change course, because the champions are always making their decisions based upon reality. They don't stick rigidly to presumption or forecast as a sign of credibility. They don't do that. So again, I feel like we need to be really mindful about the rules that we really need to play by. So I hope that people find that valuable. Jeff, this was a fantastic conversation. I'm so excited to have you come here on the podcast to share with everybody here. What I will do is a bit of a call out to all of you who are Mind Valley members. Know that we have a deep dive within the goal achievement roadmap and the champion's blueprint with Jeff, which is part of your membership into the Mentoring at Work series. So go through that series and find our additional content with Jeff Spencer, and you're going to see how he can go deeper into this. It's such a powerful thing when you start realizing that you should be pursuing the right goals. And so we've got a blueprint and some exercise that you can do right now to make sure that you have a list of the things you want to achieve and see which one is the most right for you. You want to go ahead and be a champion. You have to be realistic, but you can push through. You can have fear be your friend. It is there to tell you something. What are the things you need to prepare for? What are the things you can assist yourself with? And if you want to discover more about Jeff, we're going to put a link to his websites and additional resources of his as well. So you can go more into this direction. If you are a listener of superhumans at work, champion should be in your DNA. And so I hope you've enjoyed this conversation and you continue down this path to be an incredible individual in the workplace and in every area of your life. Jeff, thank you so much for your time again. Well, thank you, Jason. You know, there's always room at the top of the best and there's only one of us in all of creation. So let's make that count. Let's create a life of passion, purpose, productivity, and prosperity. Thanks again for the invitation. It was a pleasure. Once again, everybody, thanks for tuning in to Superhumans at Work. I'm very grateful for all of you who tune in on a regular basis, listening to these amazing interviews with these guests that I get to find. Now, if you're subscribed to the show, definitely leave us a review if you can and share it with friends so that we can spread the message and get more people to be able to learn of these fantastic ideas that they can bring in their everyday life. And these episodes, of course, are brought to you by Mindvalley. When you go to mindvalley.com forward slash superhuman, you get to discover the transformational education that we get to deliver where we bring the best technology, the best teachers, and ensure that it teaches you what leads to a truly incredible life. Thanks again for tuning in and watching the show. And until next time, stay superhuman. My name is Jason Campbell, and this is Superhumans at Work, a Valley podcast. This is the story of the one. As a maintenance engineer, he hears things differently. To the untrained ear, everything on his shop floor might sound fine, but he can hear gears grinding or a belt slipping. 
so he steps in to fix the problem at hand before it gets out of hand. And he knows Granger's got the right product he needs to get the job done, which is music to his ears. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger, for the ones who get it done.